0: This podcast is brought to you by NeuroCreative Studio, the number one provider of one-to-one applied neuroscience coaching and development programs designed to enhance your creativity and effectiveness. Find out more at neurocreative.studio.
1: You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. What happens when a business that should be going places hits a bottleneck? And how can founders free that up to realize their potential well my guest today is esmond green from Mellier equity partners a leading private equity fund based in ireland esmond explains to me how finding an investment partner can pop that bottleneck by introducing a new financial option but private equity funding is about more than money and we discuss why the cash is matched by the connections and clarity that aligned investment partners can bring we look at some of the success stories that esmond and his colleagues have helped to create including a name that might be familiar to you if you're a chocolate lover. And we also save the best for last with some key advice for navigating the choppy waters of the times we live in. So if you're at a stage where you're considering your funding options or you're just filing it away for your future success, then this episode is for you. Now, Esmond, so many questions come to mind now that I've got you here in the studio and have a chance to ask you some of this stuff. I suppose the first question that will be with a lot of people is what are the main misconceptions about what it is that you do and the sort of um, companies that are eligible for private equity funding?
0: Yeah, I think, first of all, I think the some of the misconceptions that exist is that we are, I think historically in Ireland, private equity is quite a new feature of the Irish landscape. I think if you go back to the 10 to 15 years ago, it didn't really exist within Ireland. And there was this misconception that institutional money was associated with vulture funds and asset strippers. And there was a lot of bad press around that. I think when we set up our first fund back in 2013, 2014, we were sort of almost first to the market, I suppose. And what our story is really about is it's about partnering with ambitious uh, owners of businesses, ambitious management teams who want to take their business from where they are currently up to the next level. And to do that, they need a combination. that They need help, and that can be through through capital, and mm-hmm. we have that. We have a, a €160 million euro fund dedicated to the Irish market. But it can also be through um, assistance uh, and mm-hmm. having a supportive partner who's sitting beside you, who's aligned with you in terms of their co-shareholders alongside with you. So they they share in the successes and they share in the failures of the business going forward. And what we try to do is we try to help businesses through being that partner, through finding mm-hmm. people within our network to to sit on the board of the companies alongside of us, and then tapping into our network, both our network and the network of some of our partners And trying to assist companies to find revenue opportunities in other jurisdictions, um, supply chain opportunities in other markets uh, and really be a supportive partner. So it's about partnership and relationships. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that's out there about
1: private equity. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that really sounds like I mean, I I don't know whether um, this is, you know, an older perception as well, but it it's it sounds much more like you are embedded in and integrated into the um the companies that you're working with now that you you become um sort of part of them and it, it part of the fabric of of where they're going
0: yeah I think that's that's a good way that's a good way to put it. Um, we don't manage the businesses at all uh, we support existing management teams to mm. to grow their business and they, and again to take that. Take that step up, and the, the our bread and butter really is founder owner businesses, mm-hmm. and quite often they they come to us again for for a combination of of capital and having that partnership piece, but from the perspective of, of of capital at least, you know there's there's usually three reasons that they come to us. Uh, one is. They typically have have built their business up through um, taking on capital from friends and family, for example, along the road. Uh, They could have a a co-founder who's no longer involved in the business. And we provide the ability to have those people exit the business and we step into their shoes, essentially. Um, The second reason that they come to us from a capital perspective is we enable them to take cash off the table and and to de-risk a little bit. Uh, quite often we see with founder owner businesses that they've, you know, from the moment they set up to the business to the moment we meet them on their journey, they've put every ounce of their soul into this business and every ounce of their capital into this business, and they've never taken a penny out. And we provide that opportunity to to de-risk a little bit um, mm-hmm. and to you know to pay off the mortgage, to to build up a nice pension pot for example and then turn up to work the next day with you know being de-risked maybe mm-hmm. having a different attitude to risk as well so yeah. you know when you're when all your eggs are in one basket you tend to be a little bit more risk averse because the decisions or the impact of the decisions you make particularly big strategic ones that you might have as an ambitious founder you know mm-hmm. if you get those wrong that is a material impact on you so for example you know, let's say you've, you've always wanted to, to buy one of your competitors in the UK and it makes absolute sense from a strategic perspective to do that. But if you get that wrong, the consequences for you and your personal net wealth is, can be quite consequential. Mm. But if you've taken some money off the table and you've de-risked and you've got an aligned partner by your side willing to, to fund that, your perception and your attitude towards risk, I think, I think changes quite a bit. And I think for us, that's, that's quite a, a powerful thing. The, the, the third thing from a capital perspective again uh, is uh, we provide capital to grow. So we'll provide you with that capital to buy that business mm-hmm. in the UK you've always wanted to buy. We'll provide you with that capital to, to build out a sales team in, in the U S because you want to crack that market or, We'll mm-hmm. provide you with capital to build out a new product or a new service. um so I think those are the from a capital perspective, those are the re- the really you know interesting things that we bring to the table. The other mm-hmm. thing is then again, having that alignment, uh taking a seat on the board, helping companies with uh with strategy, with their strategic direction, tapping into our network, for example. and I think a you know a, a good example of all that together. In action, is a is a business called Lily O'Brien's, which we invested in. It was the first investment we made in in our last fund in in 2014. And Lily's is a it's a box chocolate manufacturer. Uh, you may have you may have tried it before. Um, you'll find it in your your local supermarket. Uh, you find it in your local supermarket, whether it's in Ireland or the UK. And really great product set up by a founder in the early nineties, and she'd run the business. Sort of tapping into the some of the themes I talked about earlier, she'd, mm-hmm. she'd run the business uh, without ever taking a penny out. Uh, she had a a co shareholder who invested in her in her business at the outset to help get her off the ground, and wanted to realise a return on their investment. And the business was literally turning away orders at the door because uh, yeah. they weren't able to fulfill, um, demand. Mm-hmm. And she'd had experience with, with the ba- uh, a local bank historically and was unwilling to take on debt financing to expand production. Just, just get given the way, um, she'd been treated in the past. Um, mm-hmm. and we were able to come in there and, and de-risk her personally. Um, buy out the existing legacy shareholders and step into their shoes. And then we put a million euros into the plant on day one and doubled production capacity. So suddenly they had they were able to fulfill the demand that was evidently out there. Nice. Um, but then also from a strategic perspective, and you asked originally how we sort of get in, embedded in the business, you know, about 50% of their sales was into the UK market. So they were selling into the likes of Asda and Waitrose and Sainsbury's and Morrisons' and Aldi. Uh, they weren't in Tesco's, um where at the time roughly a third of box chocolates were sold. Uh, mm-hmm. and they had one person in in one salesperson in the u k running up and down the whole of the market trying to to sell into all those accounts. And we recognized quite clearly that there was a a big opportunity in the u k, particularly where they were positioned, which was, Slightly less premium than a lint, but a little bit mm-hmm. uh, more premium than a Thornton's, and it was a really nice place to be. And we felt if you could really mm-hmm. put resources behind that, you could really take off. Um, so we looked into our network, and we found a guy who was head of international sales for Craft, um, now mm-hmm. Mondelez or, or Cadbury's, um, and he. We brought him onto the board of the company as a director. We let him invest in the in the company alongside us. Uh, And he was instrumental to, first of all, helping the company from a strategic perspective. And then also he was very clued in in the UK. So he would, you know, attend industry dinners and sit beside the CEO of Tesco's and tell them about this amazing little Uh chocolate business out in Kildare that he was involved in. And lo and behold, within about six months of the investment, they were in Tesco's. Um, We also, uh, at the time we used to work with a large private equity firm called the Carlisle Group, and they're an investor in our current fund as well. But we were able to tap into their network and we had we had a packaging business in the UK and they were able to supply packaging into Lilies. We had a snacks to the home business called Grays, which you may you may I see know, in I, your yeah. um, uh, mm-hmm. WH Smith if you go to, you know it's great. Well they they began Lilies began supplying chocolate into them. We had mm-hmm. a uh, a Guy within the network who was the former CEO of, of Walmart, and he was able to help us with US retail strategy. The US is about sort of 20% of the business. Um, we increased the number of salespeople in the UK from one to five. And when you add up all these things together, making those connections, yeah. putting resources into the business, we were able to double the UK supermarket sales, over double the profitability of the business, and ultimately yeah. help the founder transition away from the business and it was a great success story for us and and the um and the employees.
1: Yeah, I mean that's that's so amazing that the amount of connection that you're able to bring to someone and just go right oh hang on a second I've got someone in my rolodex here let me give them a call or you know let me introduce you that that really is almost as valuable if not more valuable than you know putting some cash on the table. And that's maybe something that people don't always think through when they're when they're thinking about whether to maybe approach an organization like yourselves, that invisible or silent value that you're bringing to it as well. It,
0: it, it, exactly. Uh, it, it's about finding those connections, but importantly, finding those connections in areas that make the most impact for, for the mm-hmm. businesses we invest in. Uh, and we're, 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 we're big believers in, in making those connections, but also bringing on talent Onto the board mm. and into the companies themselves. Um, we ourselves are are sector generalists, so we've invested in chocolates, we've invested in baked ham, we've invested in software businesses and private hospitals. So we end up being sort of jack of all trades in, in a sense. And and to so I think really have a, a proper impact on on the business we mm. businesses we invest in, we need to we try to bring in real sort of sector expertise onto the board mm. people who have built similar businesses in other geographies and jurisdictions and can really help management not only from a connections perspective but also just from a strategic perspective mm. to help them think about uh maybe things slightly differently think about some of you know opportunities that might lie ahead of them and and be able to frame that through the experience of of the individuals we bring on board mm.
1: Um, if I can just go back to something you were saying there about uh Lily O'Brien's. Um it was it was clear that she had tried and tested her product and her market and there was demand for it. So I'm guessing that's something that that that's a that's an indicator that uh something is ready for an investment. But can I ask you what some other indicators that a company is ripe for this sort of um partnership might be? both in the company itself, but also in the founders.
0: Yeah. So I guess, you know, we we don't really have a a cookie cutter approach in terms of how we
1: -hmm.
0: we assess investments or what we look for, but there's certainly a a couple of common characteristics. So we like to look for businesses that are in, in good markets. So, you know, markets that are resilient and and growing, ideally. And ideally then as well, we look for some sort of differentiation within the business. So they're not one of a cast of thousands competing uh, in an undifferentiated way uh, for the mm-hmm. same customers. Um, there's something unique about this business. There's something that gives them resilience that makes Customers want to buy their product or their service over other ones, uh, other alternatives, or uh, suppliers wanting to supply into them. So something, some sort of differentiating factor is what we look for as well. The other thing that we like to see is is businesses with with good economic characteristics. Uh, And what I mean by that is things like um, good profit margins. And that's usually a, a symbol that there's some degree of pricing power within that business. They're not getting driven down to the last dollar. We like to see businesses as well that have a degree of, of recurring revenue. So you're not building a product mm-hmm. or a service and you get a one-off sale and then you've got to recreate your, your customer base and recreate your revenue in the next quarter or next year. Um, so some degree of recurring revenue as well. Um, the other thing as well that's important to us, and you've touched on it there, is is management. I think having an ambitious, tried and tested management team is absolutely critical. Uh, and and the businesses that we invest in, you know, they're a little bit smaller. They're not your FTSE 100 companies, so uh, mm-hmm. inevitably there will be some gaps sometimes within that team uh Mm -hmm. and we one of our jobs is to is to help fill those gaps so you know help fill the you know if there's a specific geography that they're targeting and they don't have a head of sales focused on that geography we'll go out and help find that person um if there's some business we invest in do not really have a finance function and we tend to we're quite data-driven people so we'd like to see kpis uh, key performance indicators and uh i think having someone who can help produce that from our perspective i think is good it it's also good from a management's perspective because it helps mm-hmm. lead to better decisions so if there isn't a you know a fantastic finance function in there we'll help source that and fill mm-hmm. that gap as well but ideally you've got someone at the top who's again ambitious experienced and and willing to go the extra yards for the next couple of years on a journey with us
1: Mm. Actually, there was uh, something you said there reminded me of another conversation I had previously. Um, you know, this idea that you're seeing a company that has maybe been around for a few years or maybe even a few decades, I don't know, but you're able to look at them um, from the outside. You've got a different view of them. Uh, I was i was speaking to um, Alyssa Cohen earlier in the year and she was talking about this idea that founders tend to, employ more of themselves um, they bring in people who are very like them and they miss the gaps because they're they're not actually seeing they're not actually seeing what they necessarily need they're seeing what they're focused on is is that something that you
0: yeah i think that's something that i i, I definitely that that definitely definitely resonates with me um, you know when we invest in businesses and go through our diligence process Mm-hmm. Uh, which can be quite all, cons- all consuming. Um, what we often find at speaking to management teams after they've been through that process is they've learned more about their business in the last three months or six months than they had in the last sort of six, six months, six years or 12 mm-hmm. years. And the reason is you have people with completely different perspectives, looking at your business in a completely different way. And you can, you know, it, it helps people sort of solidify in their minds, helps management teams solidify in their minds what's really great about this business, what mm. the real opportunity in this business is, but also what the weaknesses in this business are uh, and potentially ways that those weaknesses can be can be mitigated. So I think having that outside in perspective is is certainly valuable um, to to management teams at least as um, so far as we' found.
1: I was speaking to Jan Cavell, who has a long history with building and developing businesses. And now she mentors um, sort of uh, newer businesses and so on herself as well. But one of the things that she was saying is that some of the thoughts and feelings that she hears about people who would maybe potentially think about investment, but are kind of on the fence, if you like, is this idea that, A, they don't know um, how much control they're giving up and B, that they are sometimes a little bit cautious about having their ideas stolen, which it seems to, I mean, you can't really do that with a company in like the case of Lily O'Brien's where it's already there and it exists. So, it, it, I mean, would a, would, a, would a company who is, you know, at the idea where, or at the stage rather where they are still an idea need to worry about that?
0: So, so for us, we, we deal with businesses that are a little bit further mm. on the journey. Um, So Mm. it's an established idea already. Uh, I don't think that is something that uh, anyone in this situation of looking for capital would need to be worried about. What they might be worried about is potentially, you know, giving up a degree of of equity uh, and control over what is, what they naturally see as their baby. Yeah. And And that's one of the pushbacks we get, I think, historically, because, private equity is such a new concept in in Ireland the concept of giving up a portion of the business that you've created yourself to someone else that you've only met you know six months ago or a year ago sometimes these relationships take a lot longer to build but you know that can be quite a difficult a difficult thing to do um, right. so I think sometimes there's a degree of convincing there that's required and I'd say with the types of businesses we we look at, those conversations vary depending on the situation of the individual on the other side of the table, and I, I sort of I usually put them into two buckets. One is uh, where that decision, uh, the decision to take on a partner, is driven by succession. Um, so the individual involved has built a fantastic business, taken it to a certain point, and they want to take a step back from the business and want to cash in some of their chips, but still remain mm-hmm. involved, but maybe more in a non-executive level rather than a, a full-time in the business level. And I think there, the, the psychology behind that's a little bit easier to understand. And what we do there is we try to help either foster people within the business to take over from he or she, mm-hmm. or we bring in a management team that we'd source uh, in advance and bring them on on day one to, to take over. And it can be either or, essentially. The, the other bucket I'd I'd put it into is, is people who are maybe a little bit earlier on their journey, not ready to take a step back from the business. Uh, and they struggle with that idea, again, of giving up control of your baby. Um, and for me, I think there are, are probably three reasons that I think, making that decision can make a lot of sense. Um, one is uh, what we try to do is to bring about a real step change in the business. And if we're successful in doing that through all the things we talked about earlier, capital connections, network, mm-hmm. etc cetera, um, we can make that pie a lot larger. And then mm-hmm. the decision, if, if the, the founder owner believes in that, that strategic plan, the decision is well. Look, I can either have a hundred percent of of a pie, and I'm not sure if a pie is the right analogy, but <laughs> stick with it. A, a pie yeah. worth a hundred, uh, or I can have fifty percent of a pie worth five hundred. So, yeah. so I think if once people can sort of get their heads around that, I think the decision becomes a little bit easier. I think mm-hmm. the other thing as well that helps people get over that mind shift is, you know, building a business, particularly if it's a sole founder owner rather than you know let's say a team that it building a business by yourself can be a pretty lonely place sometimes and i think having a and fresh pair of eyes a fresh perspective and, and a very aligned partner uh, sitting beside you to to share in all your decisions and to share in your successes and your failures i think can be quite an attractive place to be Um, and then the last bit is, is the de-risking piece that I talked about earlier. And, uh, I, 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 for me, that is one of the most powerful things that just happens in the background by taking on a partner. But one of the most powerful Mm -hmm. things that, that is achieved by taking on investment is that flip of the switch from being sometimes risk averse because all these great things I want to do, God, if I get them wrong, you know, I'm going to be in real trouble, Uh, Mm um, to suddenly go away i'm sorted financially now and i want to go after all these things and you Mellier, or you whatever private equity firm it might be by my side we're going to do this together and mm-hmm. for me that's that's an extremely powerful proposition and helps with that handing over control uh, question
1: yeah. no that uh that sounds um it makes an awful lot of sense, actually, when you put it like that. And I, I hope that that will give people some food for thought. Um, Esmond, there's one more question I'd like to ask you just as we wrap up. And that is, um, as we go into 2023 and we continue to navigate this changed world that we are now in and the, the, the various bad newses that we continue to get, is there any one piece of advice that you would like to give someone who has... You know, started the cogs turning while listening to this what would you say to someone who has maybe had their eyes opened a little bit to what it is that's available
0: I'd say first of all surround as you think about entering into the choppy waters that we are we're currently in at the moment and it may get a little bit choppier uh, over the next over the next uh, couple of months um, I would say first of all surround yourself by the right people uh, and that means within your management team, uh, make sure that you have the right people in the right positions and the right people by your side as you enter this this environment. But also, I think outside of your management team, try to make sure that you have the right advisors, the right partners, and the right board members. Again, I'm a firm believer in the, in the power of a, a fully functioning board that really challenges the management team rather than sits there in silence uh, as i've seen some boards uh in the past but the other thing i'd say is is you know properly incentivize your team and I, i'm a firm believer in the, the power of uh, alignment of interests and i think it's a really powerful tool um towards generating the the, the behaviors and the outcomes you want to you want to achieve mm-hmm. and as a founder owner you that can come in a couple of ways one can be just structuring a bonus system um, that is aligned to what you're trying to achieve. Uh, the other piece could be um, implementing an equity scheme um, and turning nine to five salaried employees into owners of the business. Again, going back to the, the sharing and success and sharing of failures point, I think if your team around you are also aligned, I think that's quite powerful. And then as you look into the The next couple of months, there will be opportunities that come and some of those will require capital. So Mm -hmm. make sure you've got enough. Um, That can be cash on balance sheet, that can be debt or that can be private equity. Mm -hmm.
1: Wise words, Esmond. Thank you very much for sharing that with us. And do you want to give people a link or is there a website or something that people should visit to find out more about you guys?
0: Sure. Yeah. Um, so our website is uh, com. We're a, um, an Irish-focused private equity fund set up to back ambitious, motivated Irish management teams. And we typically try to invest in between one to two businesses a year. We've invested in 14 over the last eight years, and uh, we're keen to invest in a lot more.
1: Fantastic. Well, going into 2023, what better news could we have? Um, So again, thank you very much. And I'll see you on the other side. Thanks, Deidre. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there. So thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines. And I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice and bite-sized brain science every week.